Well, good morning, everyone. I'm impressed that you came through the snow. So thank you for coming. We're in a series, meaning we talk, take a topic and talk about it for several weeks. Actually, this has been six weeks, and we're wrapping it up today. Who needs God? And uh, our answer is, I do. You do. We all do. Uh, I assume what most of you will be doing this evening, what are you going to be doing this evening? Super Bowl. (laughs) Some people will. My wife doesn't watch the game, she watches the commercials. So I watch the game, she watches the commercials. But I came across this church sign, I thought it was cute. Bible quiz. How many verses in the Bible are about eagles? And how many verses about patriots? Eagles. 33. Patriot Zero. (laughs) I don't know who you're rooting for, but it'd be interesting if that was the final score, wouldn't it? Anyway, all right, moving on. Back, we'll review a little bit. Some of you are first-time guests, and uh, all these uh, teaching messages are on our website, audio versions. Anyway, and I hope we have a good crowd on uh, Facebook Live this morning. So we've been talking about who needs God. We've been having a conversation, basically, about... Who needs God? And this has been going on for six weeks. We started off talking about if you walk away from Christianity, you have to walk towards something, and that towards something is something we would call atheism. So we, we tried to explain to you what atheism was. And we talked about other different things. We're trying to have an open conversation about who needs God. And I want to thank you all as a, as a congregation, as a group, a church, for the opportunity to do something quite different, because normally I talk to you. <laughs> I talk to you that are already Jesus followers, already buy into this stuff. So we've been talking for six weeks for people who aren't sure. That we say stuck in the middle. I don't know who the experts are, but the experts call them nuns or non-affiliated, N-O-N-E-S. And so that's who we've been talking to. And we've said things like this. We'd like you to begin to, if you once were a Jesus follower and walked away, that you re-engage with faith. That you just reconsider it. That you bring your questions. We love questions. We're not afraid of questions. You bring your science. We're not afraid of science. And now I know one of the pushbacks is this. You just don't like organized religion. Well, I don't either. But I certainly don't like disorganized religion. So I'm against over-organized religion, but organization or organized is better than no organization. So we're asking you to rethink. Just, just to rethink it. We think it's that, it, that important. Uh, another thing we said, everyone can take a step. Wherever you are, wherever I am, we can take a step, we can say a positive step, toward, in this case, toward Christianity, toward Jesus, or following Jesus. Just do something. Ask the questions. Do some research. Do some examination. We quoted you from different books. Read some books, whatever it might be. Now, one thing we do around here is we really strongly believe this. You can belong with us before you believe what we believe. Now, the reason we do that is because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus walking around, hey, Matthew, come follow me. Did he expect Matthew to believe all that stuff? No. None of the disciples believed all that stuff. In fact, if you read the New Testament, it just seemed like they didn't get most of it. And then, of course, Jesus died, and then they all left him. No followers. After the crucifixion, Jesus had no followers. And then after the resurrection, <laughs> he had lots of followers. So if you are in that stuck, if you followed at one time and now not follow, you're just like the early disciples. We just want you to come back or, or to be all in or, or to follow. 
I came across some interesting articles. It's interesting how that happens. You read something about the same topic, and this was about curiosity. Uh, one was about cur- benefit of curiosity in marriage, but the one I really liked talked about the spiritual discipline of curiosity. I never heard that before. I heard of Bible reading and prayer and all these other spiritual disciplines, but how important curiosity is. Asking questions, seeking out answers. And that's kind of what we're wanting you folks to do during this series. So the title of the series has been this, Who Needs God? Who Needs God? Well, (laughs) that's what we're hoping you're going to discover. And we're going to take a different approach this morning. We're going to tackle this from a difficult angle. Not difficult just for the non-affiliated. This is difficult for all of us, all right? So kind of hopefully (laughs) follow along with me as we go along. And here's what we're going to ask you to do. To be honest with yourself. Now, this is hard. We don't like to do this. None of us like to do this. And when I do this, it makes me uncomfortable. And when I do this, I usually wind up with homework, stuff I've got to do, people I have to apologize to, Things I have to make right that, that I did wrong. Uh, some of this happened <laughs> uh, yesterday at our management team retreat. Uh, some people let me know some things that I was uncomfortable with about myself. So, that's what we're asking you to do this morning. So just hang in there with me for the next 20 minutes or so and see, see how it goes, all right? Because here's the problem. Self-deception always takes us in a bad direction. Now, you can think back to when you're a child and your parents. I can only talk about my parents. As I, most of you have heard, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. We didn't go to church until I was about 14 years old. And uh, they were weekend alcoholics. And I didn't understand what was going on, but occasionally my dad would go on these binges and take off. And he'd be gone for three or four days. And all we know is when he came back, we'd be in, he would borrow money to do this, and we'd be in financial <laughs> problems. We didn't have financial peace back then. And uh, the worst thing that happened for me personally was when I was 16, I was working since I was 13, I was saving money for my first car like many of you have done, and I'd saved $600. Now, this was 1968. $600 was a substantial amount of money. And uh, my, do- my dad left one time, and he, and he took half my money, took $300. It was gone. He was gone, and then when he came back, it was gone. If my parents, especially my dad in this case, would have just been honest with himself, you know, whatever was going on, I don't know what was going on with him, how much different would his relationship with my mom have been, his relationship with me, with my siblings, and you, many of you. Somebody told me a story after this first service about her husband dealing with an alcoholic father. And some of you maybe aren't in your first marriage. And if you'd been honest with your spouse and honest with yourself, that first marriage may have survived. Some of you may be having difficulty in your marriage. And if you'd just be honest with yourself and realize it's my issue. It's so easy to say it's their issue, it's their problem. It's my issue. All right? So we're going to kind of explore a couple quotes from a couple people, an atheist, uh, 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 a philosopher and then a, uh, then a Christian. Uh, this first guy is a professor at NYU. And he says something, well, he wrote a couple books. But this first book, I just love the subtitle. 
mind and cosmos, that seems kind of non-descriptive. Why, this guy's an atheist, why this, why the materialistic neo-Darwin conception of nature, again, an atheist, is almost certainly wrong, false or wrong. <laughs> he said, we atheists are guilty of exactly what we say Christians are guilty of. Um, when we can't explain it, we say, natural selection did it. That's, you know, when they have gaps, rather than saying we don't know, they say natural selection did it. Just like in Christianity when we don't know, we just say God did it. So they do exactly, and this is so refreshing, this guy would admit this, that atheists do exactly what we do. Try and fill in the gap. Now his struggle was with this, thing we talked about last week, about value. Because atheists believe we're just biology and there's no value, there's no free will. But if most atheists are honest, they believe in value. They believe humans have value. And so he struggles with this, being an atheist and, ha- and believing in value. So here uh, is a quote from another one of his books, Thomas Nagel. Again, the, the, the honesty is refreshing. I want atheism to be true. So this is a want. This isn't a deduction. This is just a desire. This is a want. And I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. So these are intelligent, well-informed people, and they still are people of faith. This bothers him. And I've always said, I believe Christianity is an intelligent person, a logical person's faith. And then he says this. It isn't just I don't believe in God. That's one issue. And naturally hope that I'm right in my beliefs. We all hope our beliefs are correct. I don't want there to be a God. So this isn't a deduction. This is a desire. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. So he's making a huge distinction here. He may be an atheist, but it not be because the facts make him an atheist. It's because he wants to be an atheist. He doesn't want there to be a God. He doesn't want to be a God or a universe of that type of God. You can put it this way. I don't believe is completely different than I don't want to believe. Because when you say, I don't want to believe... The next question is, why? Why would you not want to believe? And again, we're trying to be honest with ourselves. And if I'm honest with myself, why I wouldn't want to believe is because of the implications. Believing would make my life inconvenient. My lifestyle would have to change. So rather than be honest with myself... I'm going to say I don't want to believe. But there is info out there, information we talked about a couple weeks ago, almost irrefutable evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. But if you choose to, you can not want to believe it. So your position is not about facts, it's about want or want to. This 17th century uh, philosopher Brilliant guy, Blaise Pascal, 
He was homeschooled, by the way, like we homeschooled our kids. That doesn't make you brilliant necessarily, but um, died a young man, died at 39. But he, just his insight here is, is amazing. People almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof or fact. You know, most people don't believe what they believe because of the facts. This is amazing. But on the basis of what they find attractive. And he's saying we all do this. And I thought about this and I think this is true. How many of you wake up every day? In fact, I've never met anybody like this. So if you are, let me know. You wake up every day and today my goal in my life is to find the truth and nothing but the truth. That's all I want to know. I don't know anybody like that. I'm not like that. What are we <laughs> searching for most days when we wake up? Coffee. <laughs> Why coffee? <laughs> I call it a happiest, happiness quest. You know what we're after? I want my life to be easy. I want my life to go good. I, I just want to be happy. If it involves truth, great. If it doesn't. And that's what St. Augustine said. Listen to what he said. We love the truth when it enlightens us. Hey, that's neat. I like that. That's, that, that's helpful. We hate the truth when it convicts us. When it says, oh, i got to change? Nah, 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 leave that one alone. That's going to make me inconvenient. That's not going to make me happy. Now, most of you are younger than I am. You can, it may be easier for you to think back when you were a teenager. And when you had those arguments with your parents that we all have. Were you on a truth search? The truth is, mom and dad, if I stay out later, it's better for you and for me and for us. No, it was nothing about truth, was it? It was all about want. My desire. I'll have more fun if I get to stay out later. And those of you who are married, maybe you don't have arguments with your wife, I do, okay? <laughs> Not many anymore, but uh, quite a few over the years. And what is it, guys, what is it about, especially about us, when we're having that argument and we finally realize we're going to lose? In the back of our minds, we're not winning this argument. So we, uh, what we do is we stop and say, yes, dear, you're right. That's what we do, right? I just argue more. I don't want to lose. And then we tell couples we counsel, if you win, your spouse loses, the couple loses, Right? <laughs> But that's what we're thinking. We're thinking about winning. So it's, why, why are we that way? I put a couple statements on the, on the screen. Why is it that when we're not willing to acknowledge what we suspect to be true, why, why is that? And why is it when we don't, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> next, next slide. When we won't look for fear of what we might see. So I'm going to give you a couple ifs. Kind of negative ifs, and then we'll go to positive ifs, okay? And then we'll be done. So if God, maybe if I'm going to be honest with myself, then I'm guilty. Not just to mis make, make mistakes, but something bigger than that. Not only with the cosmos or with God, but with others. Because I make mistakes that hurt other people. You can't undo that. My dad couldn't undo how he hurt me taking my money when I was a teenager. You and I can't undo those things. But if we just kind of open that door, it shows us some scary stuff about ourselves. But here's the bottom line. The only way you and I can make progress is when we are honest with ourselves, isn't it? Because then 
we have the potential for change. And if God, I'm accountable. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Maybe you don't believe it's true. Wonderful t- story to teach us <laughs> a lot about ourselves. But the answer to the question, who needs God? Adam said, I don't need him. Eve said, I don't need him. We don't need him. And we've been struggling with that ever since. I'm accountable. See, they and we all have had this illusion. It's called the illusion of autonomy. I just want to do what I want to do. But unless you live in a world all by yourself, it's an illusion, isn't it? Because I have a wife. I can't do what I want to do. I have kids. I can't always do what I want to do. I have a job. I have a boss. There's all kinds of accountability in life. And when I try to do this, what's the result? Regrets. Regrets, right? That's why marriage is so difficult. You get two people that want to be autonomous, and it just doesn't work. And it's hard to admit, because when I admit, I have to submit, right? Why would we resist what is good for us? And if God, then I'm wrong. Shoot, how hard is that to admit? Especially, again, for us guys. The Bible describes, describes it as pride, and we'll get there in a minute. The opposite of that is humility. When I humble myself, that's that honest with myself thing. Again, that's the only way I can move forward. So if you struggle with this God thing, Jesus thing, is the real issue God's existence or is the real issue your resistance? Because if you admit, then you have to change. I have to change. We're going to look at something Paul wrote. He wasn't a Jesus follower. He actually was a Jesus hater for a while, and then he became a Jesus follower. He wrote a lot of uh, the New Testament. This is what he wrote in Romans to church at Rome. When we were utterly helpless, meaning I can't do anything, you can't do anything, Christ came at just the right time and died for us, not mistakers, but sinners. It's bigger than that. It's worse than that. Now, makes this little argument, interesting argument. Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. I was kidding most of you upright people. But to be honest with you, I don't think I'd be willing to die for maybe, maybe one or two people in this room. Sorry, folks. That's the truth. All right? Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. I would die for my wife. Most of you know her. She probably fits that category, right? So that's his argument. So most of us aren't dying for anybody. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still not good, not especially good, but especially bad. (laughs) That's what sinner means. Now, you can doubt your love for God, but don't ever doubt God's love for you. The cross, the crucifixion, that's fact, history. So, he goes on couple verses down. We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of Lord Jesus Christ who made us friends with God. Atheists argue, why does somebody have to die? Why all the blood and gore? Uh, why can't just God forgive everybody? And the answer is this. 
You can't have a relationship with someone you do not sacrifice for. And so we have this most difficult relationship to fix between us and God. So God himself had to die for us. It's so powerful. This is what the gospel is about. We can be restored even though we're sinners with Almighty God because he loved us enough to send Jesus to die for us, for that relationship. So if God, yes, I'm accountable, I might be wrong, but if God, then there's forgiveness. How amazing is that? That a holy God would forgive unholy you and I. If there's forgiveness, then there's relationship, right? I can have a relationship with God, not again because of anything I have done, but because of what if he's done. And the fact that we might resist accountability to God is to resist relationship with God. That's what we're doing. Parents, you understand this. When your kids rebel, what's happened? They still your kids? <laughs> of course they are. It's disrupted the relationship. Same thing with God. And if God, then there's truth. There's justice. We talked about last week. There's value. There's oughts. This is interesting. Again, atheists have oughts. People ought not to act like that. Where's that come from? There has to be a right and a wrong if there's oughts and ought nots. Now, if I ask you the question, who wants God? We'd all say, no, no none of us. We want to do our own thing. Adam want to do. Eve. Who needs God? All of us do. So I want to finish with a, something a guy by the name of James wrote. He was actually a brother of Jesus. Thought Jesus was probably crazy during his lifetime. Then Jesus died and was resurrected and then James changed his whole perspective. He became a committed Jesus follower, leader in the early church. 62 AD, actually, the uh, high priest falsely accused him of, uh, um, of some religious mis- misdoings and, he, and St- uh, James was actually stoned to death. But we do have a letter that James wrote that the early church thought was so important they made copies. And 2,000 years later, we have a copy of it. And here's what he says about on this topic. He says, God gives grace generously. See, God doesn't just give you little pieces of grace. He gives you big grace. And then he's quoting from his Bible, the Old Testament. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So God's over here. When we are proud, we're over here. <laughs> We can get over here if we humble ourselves. So that's what he says. So humble yourselves. Now sometimes we're humbled by others. But this is something you have to do yourself. We have to humble ourselves before God. Resist the devil. What was the devil's big problem? Pride. He got kicked out of heaven for pride, right? So when we're proud, we are aligning ourselves with the devil. So we have to resist that. He'll flee from you. He's already defeated, right? That's what the resurrection means. God won, Satan lost, right? So, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Relationship. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world, and that's where the nuns are, right? They're stuck in the middle. That's not a good place to be. Kind of a cheap substitute for something much better. So he said, let there be tears, what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. True repentance, being 
honest with ourselves. And then again, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Do we deserve it? Absolutely not. All right, that finishes this series. Wanted to give you a quick overview or insight into where we're going next week. <laughs> All right, getting next week, bad blood. We're going to talk about relationships, how to fix issues we might have in a relationship. So hopefully you can join us. Let's have a prayer. We'll have a final song let you go. Ah, Father God, thank you so much. I thank you for this series. It's really helped me and with some of my questions and hopefully helped these folks. Uh, but yeah, just, just, just for these final moments, can we truly be honest with ourselves? Why are we stuck in the middle? Is it truly because you just can't believe that stuff or that we don't want to believe that stuff? If it's want to, that's not a good reason. God, you ask all of us to humble ourselves. And then we can enter into relationship with you. And to those stuck in the middle this morning, I would ask that you would take a step. A step toward Jesus. A step to relationship with God. And if possible, step across that line and enter into faith. We thank you, God, that your grace, we don't deserve it, your grace is generous. More than we need. Help us understand that you love us that much. We thank you for Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen.